Well, hey, church at home, it's so awesome to be with you again. My name is Pastor Josh. Uh, if we haven't had the chance to meet yet, man, I'm just excited uh, to be with you. I'm one of the pastors here at Journey. We've been in the midst of this mini-series called Stressed Out. Uh, if you missed last week, we're diving kind of right in the middle. So you want to go back and listen to that uh, and then catch up with us. It's a shorter message, probably 20, 25 minutes. So do that quick, catch up with us, and then jump back into this one. But I'm so excited to be with you guys. I hope wherever you're at, Man, you're having a great, great holiday season. We're looking back at Thanksgiving already, looking ahead towards Christmas. Christmas is upon us. Uh, if you're excited about Christmas, throw some Christmas trees uh, emojis in the chat, man. Let me know if you're one of those Christmas fanatics. You just love it. You're excited. It's kind of like the Super Bowl here for us at church. We're getting excited. I love even preaching on this stage with some Christmas trees, man. I just feel in the spirit. But as we're talking about in the spirit, we talked about last week, we introduced this this idea of just being stressed out, right? How do we handle our stress? How do we deal with it uh, biblically? How do we take our stress to God and actually find healthy ways to deal with it. And so last week we took a look at a couple of the stressors that are really, really common, that you're gonna find those throughout life. Uh, the first was this, was the expectations of others, the expectations, the opinions, the weight of people's words on our lives, what they think about us, how they value us. And we learned that we need to rise above that and trust God and find that place of safety through Proverbs 29 and that scripture that I shared last week. And then the second stressor was that jam-packed schedule, right? We can all relate to this, especially around this time. We find ourselves just absolutely overwhelmed and our schedules are packed full to the brim with all these things that we have going on and it can cause so much stress in our lives because we're running from here and there and not really caring for ourselves. And we talked about how Jesus modeled that so well, where he would pull away from the crowd, pull away from the noise, pull away from the chaos, and get refueled, refreshed by his father, by his friends, by angels, right? Like there was just some incredible moments in scripture where we see him do that. But today I wanna jump in with a, a quote that I ended with last week. And I just, I love this, right? This book, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, uh, it went through our staff like wildfire, man. We just love this, uh, from John Mark Comer. He said this, to walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. If, if we're going to walk with Jesus, we need to actually find this slower pace that we can walk with him and not be weighed down by the cares, by the worries, by the anxieties, the stressors in our life. And we're going to go right to the third stressor right now. And it's this, it's workplace stress. It's workplace stress. Well, we, we, we see people take home work with them, not, not knowing how to disconnect work from home or work from play and find people really using the excuse of, man, I just, there's so much to get done, and if I don't get this done, what happens then? And, and we carry workplace stress home, and it bleeds into all the other areas of our life. And I love what we were just reminded of, though. If, if we live in this hurried pace, hurry is the death of prayer. It's the death of connection with God, and it actually impedes our work and spoils it, never advancing it. We've heard this term nowadays, it's been coined of, of work-life balance, and I actually love the idea of work-life balance. And they ask the question, as you're evaluating your work-life balance of, are you comfortable, this was the question, 
Are you comfortable with the amount of time you're spending at work versus spending at home? Some of you busy moms are like, uh, it's kind of vice versa for me. Am I comfortable with the amount of time I'm spending home with these kiddos and the chaos and they're not in school and they're driving me crazy? I, like, I, I get it, I get it. But I love the question because the question helps me evaluate, am I comfortable? I love that term too. Am I comfortable? Does it sit well with me? How much time I'm, I'm spending at work versus spending at home or or enjoying life, right? So many of us work so hard to achieve the things that we've achieved, but then we have no time at the end of the day to actually enjoy those things. We work so hard to provide for our families, and yet we, we work, 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 and we don't actually enjoy the family that we're working so hard to provide for. It's ironic. Let me ask you that question. Are you, are you comfortable with how much time you're spending at work, at home, Jesus has this incredible order that he would place on, on people of how these things were to actually play out in our lives. That, that I'm called to first, my first ministry is my marriage and home. And, and if I don't get those things right, what, what does it matter? Even as a pastor, what does my ministry matter after that? And this was so convicting to me as I, as I read this. And like I said last week, maybe, maybe I'm just preaching to myself. Maybe, hopefully this will help you today. But I'm preaching this to me. I had to ask myself that question, am I comfortable? And, and it's easy to spend a lot of time here at the church. It's easy to spend a lot of time with people who are in need. And, 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 and like I said last week with that, that feeling of, of a jam-packed schedule, that busyness lends to my identity. And well, I feel important, I feel needed, I feel wanted. But it's misplaced. Because my identity always needs to be in the Lord. And so when I asked myself that question, Joshua, are you comfortable? I had to really evaluate that. And I'd ask you around this busy holiday season to, to evaluate that in your life. What does work-life balance look like for you? Again, I think Jesus' model of this is absolutely correct when he would pull away from the crazy busy. When he wouldn't be dictated by the tyranny of the urgent and the busy and the immediate and the now, he'd pull away from that and reconnect with his father, his community around him. The fourth stressor that we're going to talk about, and this one hits home to a lot of people, is financial stress. Especially as we look towards Christmas. I, I know so many people, and my wife and I have done this before too, man. You're, you're maxing out credit cards just to, to get these gifts for kiddos that, that within a few days they're, they're disinterested and they're moving on to the next thing, right? You're stressing about pinching the pennies that you have. And you're like, man, how do we make this work? And how do we make rent? And how do all of these things come into alignment in our lives financially? And what about my future? And what about taxes? And all of that's coming. Right, and we can live under the tyranny of financial stress. I think Matthew six twenty four just really spells it out for us. When Jesus said, "You, you can't serve God in money. You, you can't serve the two masters," he says. No one can serve two masters, for either they'll hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve. God and money. We, we tend to let financial stress lead to an obsession with money. We, we overspend our time in our life and overspend our money in our life and so much of that leads to stress that if we just got a handle on our finances and 
slowed down and budgeted and really saw what was important and invested in the things that are important. And again, God has an order for all of this. That shouldn't surprise us. That our first 10% goes towards our tithe and he encourages us to live generous, giving lives. My wife and I have seen this benefit over and over and over again. The area of the scriptures where God says, test me is in our money. And we've seen him time and time again be faithful to when we are obedient with our tithe, we're obedient with giving to people and being generous. And man, we're, we used to be on the mission field, so that's near and dear to our hearts. So we still have a bunch of missionary friends and they'll reach out for support. And every time that we've done that, every time that we've stepped out in faith and said, God, I'm just gonna trust you with my money, it goes back to that trust thing that we talked about in week one. Trusting him. Rising above that financial stress and saying, God, I trust you. You're, you're my place of safety. You're my provision. You're my hope. You're the ultimate source of where all of that comes from. So I'm going to be faithful with it. And we've never seen God let us down for a moment. I had a mentor of mine once tell me this, and this is going to be for notes for you guys. Man, write this thing down. When it comes to money, when it comes to God and money, you will always serve one and use the other. I'm gonna let that set in and in your kitchen or in your living room or in your dining room, wherever you're watching this, in your car. Let that sink in for a minute. You will always, when it comes to God and money, you will always use one and serve one. And I, I personally, mean, I never wanna be a person who uses God and serves my money. What happens when we are out of balance with this and don't get this right, I'll, I'll, I'll look at God like an ATM. And, and I'll, I'll say, God, man, and, and then I'll, I'll be mad when God doesn't come through because I've, I've refocused on money instead of on the Lord and found hope in my money and security in my money. So when it comes and goes, then I look at God and I use God. And I say, God, what, what, what happened? Isn't there more? Aren't, are you letting me down? Have you somehow forgot about me? But I find in my life when I get this right and when I serve God and I use my money, we've always had enough. Sometimes the bills get paid just on time, man, in the nick of time. I have story after story I could share with you about God coming through in that last minute. But it's so interesting. I feel like he does that in my life. I'm not sure about yours, but he does that in my life to constantly remind me, Josh, your hope isn't in money. Your security isn't in money. Your protection isn't in money. It's always been in me. And, and that leads me to, to this thought that I want to just present to you. This is from our executive pastor. He encouraged us with this a few months ago as a staff. And he said this, you have to know the difference between a solution and a source. There, there's a bunch of different solutions, right, for your stress. But there's one source that you can go to continually to find that peace, that hope, that comfort that rests for your souls. I love this scripture in Matthew 11. This is verse 28. Jesus said this, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. That's the promise of our Savior. He says, come to me all that are stressed and you feel like we, we said in week one from that second Corinthians passage, you feel pressed on all sides. You feel the pressure and when you're pressured, you feel like, man, what, what's inside is being squeezed out and you're like, I don't like what I'm seeing when I'm pressured, when I'm stressed because what's inside is coming out and Jesus says, I get it. 
come to me. Come to me. You're, 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 you're laboring. <laughs> he, he's hinting at our work, our jam-packed schedules, our breakneck speed of life that we're living. He says, come to me. And then he says, all you are heavy laden. Some of you listening today are, are, are just heavy laden. You're burdened. Stress just feels like it's crushing you. But we saw in week one that the Apostle Paul says we, we could be pressed on all sides, but we don't need to be crushed. We can feel the pressure, right? We, we get it. We're all going to feel that. I'm not trying to, to dismiss that. I, I get it. It's going to come, and it's going to feel heavy, and we, we need to know where to go with it. And Jesus gives us the antidote right here. He says, just come to me, and I'll give you rest. Because we need to know the difference between a solution and a source. He's my source. I run to my source for peace and for hope, for comfort. I think it's interesting that he always says that his, his voice is a still small voice. Be still and know that I'm God. There's something about slowing down and, and stopping and being still and quiet. That's healing because we find him in those moments and we hear his voice of reassurance over our life and identity and, and the things that we need to hear for hope and encouragement. He's like, just stop. Slow down and be quiet. Come to me. Again, I'm gonna quote John Mark Comer. <laughs> I'm not like promoting that book, but maybe I am. It's a great read. You guys should read it. He says this, ultimately, nothing in this life apart from God can satisfy our desires. Tragically, we continue to chase after our desires at infinitum. The result, a chronic state of restlessness, or worse, angst, anger, anxiety, disillusionment, depression, all of which lead to a life of hurry, a life of busyness and overload, shopping, materialism, careerism, a life of more, which in turn makes us even more restless. And the cycle spirals out of control. It's amazing. We talk about workplace stress and financial stress. What he's saying there, it's, it's almost counterintuitive. We're, we're, we're working, we're striving, we're so, we're so busy, focused on all of that. But he says, no, 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 if it, it's a cycle that never is ending. It's, it's going to feed itself. Because it in turn makes us more restless. And, and, and the more I have and the more I obsess about my money, the more I, I'll use my money or I'll use my God instead and serve my money. He's like, no, it just spirals out of control. Ecclesiastes 5.10, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Those words are penned again from Solomon, the wisest man to ever live. Hear that word. That's a hard one to choke down, meaningless. He says it's Meaningless. The, the striving after all of that. Whoever loves money, you're gonna serve money and use God. You're like, man, I, I just never have enough. The workplace stress that you're bringing home, and you're like, I gotta achieve, I gotta perform because your identity is tied to it. Jesus is saying, no, there's a better way. Come to me. Lay your identity down before me and let me speak over you who you really are. 
Let me take your obsession with money and provision and remind you that I'm the source, I'm the provider. Let me calm your heart and mind by reminding you that I I clothe the lilies of the field, that little sparrow that falls to the ground. He's like, I know about it. How much more does your Father in heaven love you and want to provide good things for you? I'm almost done. I want you to know this is that my hope is that some of these solutions that we're about to talk about always lead you back to the source. That I hope the solutions that you find in life to manage your stress and to deal with these things are always bringing you back to the source. That prayer and meditation and scripture reading bring you back to the source. That worship in your life bring you back to the source. But I'm gonna try to get painfully practical with you. (laughs) And, And the first bit that I want to give you, the first bit of advice that I want to give you is this, is to plan ahead and be organized. This is, a, I'm preaching to myself now for sure. Uh, those of you that are, are staff, that some of you even helping film this today, uh, they know this reality to be true about me. I'm not the most planned and organized person, but when I do, when I plan ahead, it's incredible to see how, how, how I can stream my, line my life a little bit, how the fussing of, of crazy things in my life kind of quiet, and I can see things clearly. I have a path set out before me. I, I, have, I have checklists and to-do lists that I actually can slowly work at, and I'm not saying that I obsess about those things like I had talked about earlier. But, but I have some goals that I can reach. And man, it feels good crossing those things out every once in a while. I plan ahead. I get organized. We got four kids. Just getting them out in the door in the morning is like a feat of strength. I, it's incredible. My, my wife just helps them so much get ready. And I kind of get ready for work and then help them get out the door and get them to school. But if we don't plan ahead, it's always chaos. There's some sort of project to bring in to school. My, my little baby boy, he still takes naps at school. I always forget his pillow and his little sheets that he's supposed to bring. I got to run those back. It's so funny. When, when we don't plan ahead, how chaotic things can be. But it's just a little planning and organizing. And you'll be surprised maybe to see this in Scripture, but Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty, they're in a hurry. It's quick. It's fast. It's jam-packed. It's hectic and crazy and out of control. Everyone who's hasty only comes to poverty. The plans of the diligent surely lead to abundance. The joy, the peace. <laughs> even... even the abundance that God has for you in your life. But everyone who's hasty comes only to poverty. Second solution, and hopefully this brings you back to the source as well, is to set boundaries. You gotta learn how to set healthy boundaries in your life. You have to learn the art of this. It's saying no. (laughs) That beautiful two-letter word of no. No, I can't. No, we can't make it to that function. No, we can't make it to that party. No, I can't make it to that meeting. No, I can't complete that project. No. I wrote this. One of the best ways to be at our best is to learn to say no, right? We all want to be at our best. We know that, that stress and anxiety and worry and the expectations that others have placed on us uh, can at times lead us feeling not at our best, And I I know you want to be at your best. I know you want to be at your best for your kids and your work and your spouse. But one of the best ways we can be at our best is to learn to say no. Another John Mark Comer 
quote, shocker, right? He says this, this is so, so good. Don't miss it. One of the key tasks of our apprenticeship to Jesus is living into both our potential and our limitations. Our potential and our limitations to know those things full well in our lives. Here's, here's a, just a clue for you. Jesus himself needed to stop and slow down and to refill and refresh. What do you think that teaches us about us? Jesus, by the way, the son of God, God and man in one, had to stop and slow down. God himself, who did not need to rest, is creating the world, and it says on the seventh day, rests. Showing us how important that rhythm is in our life to slow down from the crazy hurry, from the spiraling of this world. One of our key tasks to our apprenticeship to Jesus, it's living into both our potential and our limitations. When we say no, it actually allows us to be at our best, to slow down the pace. I love this. This is a quote that I found while I was looking up some research on this. Gandhi said this, which I think is so powerful. A no uttered from the deepest conviction is better than a yes merely uttered to please or worse, to avoid trouble. A no uttered from the deepest conviction is better than this casual yes, merely uttered to please or worse, avoid trouble. The third point that I want to give you is this, is to stay connected. If we want to battle this thing called stress, if we don't want to live lives that are stressed out and out of control, stay connected. Stay connected to life-giving community that can hold you accountable to your boundaries, to healthy rhythms that you've uh, placed in your life, to actually enjoying life. How many guys in the chat, maybe you can even raise a hand or throw like a clapping emoji. If you've got that great friend that will call you, that will pull you out of the crazy stress and are like, hey, you just need to come out with me tonight. You just need to come out and enjoy life a little bit. You just need to come out and take a load off a little bit. Like I love those friends in my life that break up the craziness and they're like, hey, just sit for a moment. Just have a good meal. Have a good laugh. Share a fond memory with somebody, like sit and enjoy your life. It's so crazy that we're running at this breakneck speed and we're, it's actually counterintuitive because we're so busy and we're focused on our money and, and our work stress and we want to perform and achieve and it's actually working against us because we spend ourselves and we don't care for ourselves well. Corey Ten Boom once said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. If he can't make you sin, he'll, he'll just make you busy. And in doing so, it just wears us out and we find our, our connection to God waning and, and we find ourselves disconnected from the source because we've just allowed the busyness to derail us, the stress of life. John Mark Homer says that it disconnects our connection to God, other people, and even to our own soul. So a question, when's the last time you did something really fun with people that you loved? When, when's the last time you committed to a small group and you're like, man, I need people breathing life into me. I gotta stay connected. 
I, I let stress and worry and fear and anxiety just rule my life. Well, guess what? An accountability group, a community group, a small group can breathe that life into you, can hold you accountable to healthy rhythms. When's the last time you got real and vulnerable with someone? Just had a real honest conversation and let somebody in. When's the last time you went to the beach and you just prayed and you watched the sunset, right? We live in sunny South Florida down here. I don't know where you're tuning in from. But if it's the mountains, when's the last time you took a hike on a trail? If it's the plains, when's the last time you walked in a field and just met with God and allowed that thing to fill your soul, that time to fill your soul, the connection with God to fill you up? Here's the fourth one, and I'm almost done. Is take care of yourself. What a, what a basic and simple idea. But take care of you. As you already know, if you're, you're not at your best physically, emotionally, you're not gonna be performing at your best. If you don't care for you, the Bible's saying you're not gonna really love people well if you can't love you. Jesus said this, the greatest commandments, love God with everything that you have and love other people like you love yourself. I was just sitting with somebody this past week in like a pastoral consult and we were just talking and, and I, I kept coming back to this place over and over again with this person. I just said, you need to learn to love you again and forgive you. And then maybe you can love others and forgive others. God said that, that if we're gonna love ourselves well, then I'll love my neighbor well. It's the greatest commandment. So take care of yourself. Well, what does that look like? Well, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. It's fascinating that we'll, we'll, we'll neglect our own, own soul, but we'll, we'll keep going on, on the trivial things of life and trying to achieve and perform. And it's like, man, I know I'm not at my best. I know my soul's not healthy. We'll slow down and take time. Go see a counselor. Go see a pastor. Sit with the Lord and let him minister to you. Throw on some worship and, man, just get caught up into God's presence. Pray, read, cry. Eat a good meal, exercise, go for a walk, go for a bike ride, go for a swim. Break up the routine, the rhythm a little bit and take care of yourself. And when you're gonna do those things, I believe that stress in our life is gonna shrink and, and it will minimize and we'll be able to begin to get a handle on that thing and actually win. When the, when the battle and the pressure and the stressors of life come, we can continue to go to the source and find hope and peace and rest for our souls. Again, remember the words of Jesus. Come to me, all who are weary. You're tired. You've labored. You've worked too much. And you're heavy laden. You've got too many burdens. You're holding stuff that's not yours to carry. And I will give you rest. That's my prayer for you, church at home. And I'm so thankful that you guys have tuned in over these couple weeks. I hope that this series has blessed you, encouraged you. Let me pray for us and send you into an incredible holiday season and into Christmas. Uh, we love you guys so much. Let me pray. Father, thank you again for everyone listening to the sound of my voice, Lord. Whenever and wherever they listen to this, God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would meet them in that place in that sweet place with you where you draw them out of the busyness, out of the work, life, stress, and pressure, out of the crazy, busy schedule, the expectations of others, Lord, the, the jam-packedness of life, God. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that they would find hope and rest in the source that is only you. 
Father, you are the only one that satisfies. You are the only one that can heal a heart and a soul and a mind. So God, I pray over this holiday season, our, our church family at church at home would find such a sweet rest with you and a refreshment. And God, that we would learn to manage this thing called stress, the tension of stress in our lives, Lord, we would manage that well and take our hearts, and souls, and minds to you, the source of our true rest. We pray all that in Jesus' name. And everybody said over the other side, amen. We love you guys. Have an amazing holiday season. God bless you.